episode 135 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. The team of Rodgers and Hammerstein was a multiple award-winning and highly influential Broadway show writing duo. They also weren't afraid of touching on controversial subjects in their shows. The show we will be hearing music from started as a book, became a highly successful Broadway show, then an award-winning movie. So, get ready to hear cuts from one of the two copies my dad had of this soundtrack with Volume 135, South Pacific.
Under the direction of Alfred Newman, there is the 20th Century Fox Orchestra with the South Pacific Overture, written by Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. And of course, all of the music on this episode was written by them. Okay, why this record for this episode? I definitely remember this album cover from when I was growing up. It's a colorful front cover textured with a raised lay of flowers. It shows the leading characters embracing on a sandy beach. While it's not a movie or show I've ever seen, I know most of the music because so much of it has gotten radio airplay over the last several decades. And now that I've read about the show, I'll definitely put it on my watch list. Up next, the first song we'll hear from the female lead of the show. When the sky is a bright canary yellow, I forget every cloud I've ever seen. So they call me a cockeyed optimist, immature and incurably green. I have heard people rant and rave and bellow that we're done and we might as well be dead. But I'm only a cockeyed optimist, and I can't get it into my head. I hear the human race is falling on its face and hasn't very far to go. But every whippoorwill is selling me a bill and telling me it just ain't so. I could say life is just a bowl of jello and appear more intelligent and smart. But I'm stuck like a dope with a thing called hope And I can't get it out of my throat Not this heart. It's a cockeyed optimist sung by Mitzi Gaynor, who played Nellie Forbush in the movie. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Rogers and Hammerstein, South Pacific. It's on the RCA Victor label, number LOCD 2000. It's a vinyl LP album mono gatefold format. It was released in 1958. Its genre is stage and screen, and its style is soundtrack. Now, This is the deluxe edition. It's got a gatefold sleeve with a booklet of film stills. Very brightly done, too. My dad also has the non-gatefold version, which was a reissue the same year. The album became a major success, reaching number one in both the U.S. and the U.K. In the U.S., the album stayed at number one on the Billboard 200 for seven months, the fourth longest run ever. The album remained in the top five of the U.K. album chart for 27 consecutive weeks before reaching number one in November 1958. It stayed at the top for a record-breaking 115 weeks and remained in the top five for 200 
14 weeks. Now, there is a 12 pages uh, in the internal book, and most of it is taken up by photos from the movie. Uh, there's several paragraphs, and I am going to read a couple. It's written by Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein II. Just as stage pantomime and ballet have developed ways of telling stories without words, so have record albums like this one created in recent years the newer art of telling a story to the ear without benefit of what the eye can see. When a medium of entertainment approaches us through only one of our senses, it automatically demands of us more attention, more contribution from our own imagination, to compensate for the sense we are not permitted to use. Thus, to listen to an album of this kind and to be called upon to supply one's own visual accompaniment can be a most re rewarding pastime. If one has already seen the film of South Pacific, one can recapture to a degree the appearance of the characters as they sang, the emotions they portrayed, and the backgrounds against which they performed. If one has not seen the picture, then one can conjure up from his own fund of experiences and fancies and the desires what he thinks the characters should look like how he thinks they should be portraying their roles, and where he thinks should be the scenes in which the songs are sung. This is a soundtrack album. That means that when you play it, you are hearing the song exactly as they are sung in the picture. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $21.87 for the highest, $1.94 for the lowest, for a $9.60 average and a $9.93 median. It was last sold on Discogs on May 7th, 2023 for $10. eBay had one for $6 and Amazon had copies from $8 to $23. Now, my dad's copy is in fair condition. The record is some low volume crackling and there's some small scratch marks probably from the automatic record changer that we had in the living room. The album cover is in fair condition at a glance. The inside, the pictures are still just a brilliant color. Uh, the description says it's got leather library style binding along with gold print on the spine, except I can't see the lettering thanks to my dad's ever-present black electrical tape covering it up. Uh, something must have happened to the outside of the binding for that to be there, otherwise we'd see that lettering. So I have to rate the cover and the overall album as poor. So I will value my dad's vinyl at two bucks. Now, two of the most popular tunes from this recording. Some enchanted evening, so 
someone may be laughing. You may hear her laughing across a crowded room. And night after night, as strange as it seems, the sound of her laughter explain it who can tell you why fools give you reasons wise men My dad's vinyl. Most people live on a lonely island, lost in the middle of a foggy sea. Most people long for another. Oh, 
come to me, come to me, Bali high, Bali high, Bali high. Someday you'll see me floating in the sunshine, my head sticking out from a That was Bally High, performed by Muriel Smith as Bloody Mary and the Ken Darby Singers as the chorus. Before that, we heard Some Enchanted Evening, performed by Giorgio Tozzi, who sang the part as Emile de Beck. It was played by another actor in the movie. Some Enchanted Evening was ranked number 28 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Songs in 2004. Now let me fill you in on the composers and the plot of this show. Rodgers and Hammerstein was a theater writing team of composer Richard Rodgers, who lived from 1902 to 1979, and lyricist-dramatist Oscar Hammerstein II, who lived 1895 to 1960. Together they created a series of innovative and influential American musicals. Their popular Broadway productions in the 1940s and 1950s initiated what is considered the golden age of musical theater. Five of their Broadway shows, Oklahoma, Carousel, South Pacific, The King and I, and The Sound of Music, were outstanding successes, as was the television broadcast of Cinderella in 1957. Of the other four shows the team produced on Broadway during their lifetimes, Flower Drum Song was well-received, and none was an outright flop. Most of their shows have received frequent revivals around the world, both professional and amateur. Among the many accolades their shows and film versions garnered were 34 Tony Awards, 15 Academy Awards, two Pulitzer Prizes for Oklahoma in 1944 and South Pacific in 1950, and two Grammy Awards. Their musical theater writing partnership has been called the greatest of the 20th century. Their 1949 production of South Pacific was adapted for the big screen in 1958. The film is based on the musical, which in turn is loosely based on James Michener's 1947 short story collection, Tales of the South Pacific. The film, directed by Joshua Logan, stars Rosano Brazzi, Mitzi Gaynor, 
John Kerr and Ray Walston in the leading roles with Juanita Hall as Bloody Mary, the part that she had played in the original stage production. The film was nominated for three Academy Awards, winning the Academy Award for Best Sound for Fred Hines. It is set in 1943, during World War II, on an island in the South Pacific. The plot centers on American nurse Nellie Forbush, played by Mitzi Gaynor, stationed on a South Pacific island during World War II. She falls in love with a middle-aged expatriate French plantation owner, Emile de Beck, played by Rosanna Brazzi, but struggles to accept his mixed-race children. When Nellie leaves him, the heartbroken Emile agrees to take on a dangerous espionage mission. In his absence, Nellie struggles to reconcile her prejudices with her love for him, and after she spends time with his children and comes to care for them, fears that Emile may not return alive. A secondary romance between a U.S. Marine lieutenant and a young Tonkinese woman explores his fears of the social consequences should he marry his Asian sweetheart. The issue of racial prejudice is candidly explored throughout the musical. Now, another two for you. First up is a song that Clairol used for its commercials in the early 1980s. They just changed one word of the title. I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair and send him on his way. Get the picture? I'm gonna wave that man right out of my arms. I'm gonna wave that man right out of my arms. I'm gonna wave that man right out of my arms and send him on his way. Don't try to patch it up, tear it up, tear it up. Wash him up, dry him up, push him up, fly him up, cancel him and let him go. Yes, mister, I'm gonna wash that man right out of my hair. I'm gonna wash that. If the man don't understand you, if you fly on separate beams, waste no time, make a change, ride that man right off your range, rub him out of the roll call, and drum him out of your dreams. Oh ho! If you laugh at different comics, if you root for different teams, waste no time, Weep no more, show him what the door is for. Rub him out of the roll call and drum him out of your dreams. Oh ho, oh ho. I went and washed that man right out of my hair. 
I went and washed that man right out of my hair. I went and washed that man right out of my hair and sent him on his way. Spinning my dad's vinyl. one of my crowd to make fun of my proud protestations of faith in romance. And they'll say I'm naive as a babe to believe any fable I hear from a person in pants. Fearlessly I'll face them and argue their doubts away. Loudly I'll sing about flowers and spring. Flatly I'll stand on my little flat feet and say, Love is a grand and a beautiful thing. I'm not ashamed to star in my eye and you will note there's a lump in my throat when I speak of that wonderful guy I'm as trite and as gay as a daisy in May a cliche coming true I'm bromidic and bright as a moon happy night pouring light on the dew There was I'm in love with a wonderful guy. And before that, we heard I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. Both performed by Mitzi Gaynor as Nellie Forbush and the Ken Darby singers with the chorus. 
Time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with the controversy of the theme of the musical overall and the next tune in particular. The American musical began as purely lighthearted and escapist entertainment that was transformed by Richard Rodgers and Oscar Hammerstein's groundbreaking works. Their musicals often told believable stories about plausible, often real-life characters with songs that enhanced the narrative and a message that was sometimes political and nearly always inspirational. Oscar Hammerstein II was committed to use his creative talents to raise the social consciousness of audiences all over the world. Together with Richard Rogers, who wrote a seemingly endless flow of wonderfully singable, danceable melodies, they transformed the American musical comedy into an art form of stature in which plot, music, and dancing were closely integrated and frequently employed to explore serious, even tragic themes. In South Pacific, with its controversial stance on prejudice, Rogers and Hammerstein took a bold stance on the issue of civil rights. The musical explores the theme of racial prejudice, with lead character Nellie Furbish struggling to accept Emile de Beck's, her French expatriate love interest, mixed-race children. Another American serviceman, Lieutenant Cable, also struggles with the prejudice that he would face if he were to marry an Asian woman. These issues expressed in the song, You've Got to Be Carefully Taught, were criticized as too controversial for the musical stage and called indecent and pro-communist by some critics. Rodgers and Hammerstein defended their work strongly. James Mitchell recalled, The authors replied stubbornly that this number represented why they had wanted to do this play and that even if it meant the failure of the production, it was going to stay in. There's a lot more information about this at the website for Ogunquit Playhouse in Maine, and I will drop the link into this episode's liner notes. And now, the song we just talked about. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight. To hate all the people your relatives hate, you've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be carefully taught. Spinning my dad's vinyl. And my arms grow strong Like a pair of birds that burst with song My eyes 
look down at your lovely face And I hold the world in my embrace Younger than springtime are you than winds of June are the gentle lips you gave me. Gayer than laughter are you, sweeter than music are you, angel and lover, heaven and earth are you. Joy invade my arms and fill my heart as now they do. Then, younger than springtime, am I gayer than laughter? Am I angel and That was Younger Than Springtime. And before that, we heard Carefully Taught, both sung by Bill Lee, who portrayed Lieutenant Cable. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Although I might have opened up this Gatefold album when I was young, most likely because of the beautiful woman on the front in shorts and a halter top, and to look at some of the movie photos inside, I never popped the album onto the record player. At least I don't remember it anyways. So I'm glad I finally did. I have a feeling, though, that my mom probably listened to this record as much, if not more, than my dad did. And what better way to finish a Broadway show episode than with the finale? Oh, 
It's the finale, performed by Mitzi Gaynor, Giorgio Tozzi, and the children. And there you have selections from a popular Rogers and Hammerstein musical. So thanks for tuning into Volume 135 South Pacific, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 136, Sammy, Record 1. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. ¶¶